0: Welcome to episode 327 of the Sleeper and the Bust. It is April 4th, opening day. I am your host, Paul Sporer, joined by Eno Saris. It's a glorious afternoon, Eno. How you doing?
1: I'm doing good. You know that divorce that we talked about?
0: Did that get expedited?
1: Uh, I think it might have. On Sunday, I I said to my wife, "Last draft," and she said, "Thank God." <laughs> and then I, seven hours later, I said, "It's over." <laughs> Seven hours. Uh, and she was not happy with me. I I, I had a co-owner, uh, Tom Trudeau, oh, and uh, uh, thank God for him because between the two of us, he had like his in-laws over and his baby was in the background, and uh, my kids, you know, as soon as they know that I can't pay attention to them, all they want is for me to pay attention uh, to them. Obviously, so, that makes total. Yeah, the, they were constantly coming into the room, and then I even like took pauses from the draft to like put a kid to bed and. Uh, make lunch and just try to help because seven hours is ridiculous. I got up at seven. That's to yeah. Do the draft and was still drafting at one. Seven so, hours
0: is no joke, you know?
1: Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> it was, uh, I mean, there was, there was some uh, crap show type stuff, but uh, it was 20 teams with uh, 11 starters, uh, 11 pitching slots. Um Uh, nine batting slots, and five bench slots. So just a ton of players were drafted. And uh, it was a team – it was definitely Sharks because it's the the biggest buy-in I've ever had. It was a $500 buy-in. Oh, you
0: joined – okay, you found a partner for that league, yes.
1: Yeah, so uh, it's against Dan Rosenheck, the economist uh, baseball writer. And so it was was definitely a sharky room. And uh, we came away with Trout and Stanton. Uh, We bought them – for $106 and our lineup, you know, Yadier, Pujols, Daniel Murphy, Matt Duffy, Estrubel Cabrera, Billy Hamilton, Chris Davis, Mike Trout, Giancarlo Stanton, our lineup is going to be one of the best in the I was league. i say
0: that's really good in a 20 team. Nice balance of power and speed for sure.
1: Yeah, hopefully uh, we're going to do okay in OBP. We're like if Billy Hamilton can take just a little step forward there, we'll be better off. And um, but in general, Billy Hamilton, surprised, you know, giving us the speed and Stanton giving us the power and Trout giving us both. I mean, it's a pretty awesome outfield.
0: Yeah, that's, of course. How's the pitching look?
1: Well, yeah, we gave it back on pitching. And so what we found was because there was 11 pitching slots and a thousand inning minimum, it's really begging for a lot of relievers.
0: OK, yeah, that makes sense.
1: because uh, You can get to a thousand innings with, you know, five starters and. And six relievers, Absolutely. really. Absolutely. Uh, so that's what our, our plan was, except that it happened to be the plan of most of the people in the room. <laughs> so once we saw that, we we didn't really pivot, but we just decided we would lock down one of the cheaper bullpens. So we bought the entire Toronto bullpen.
0: Ooh, I like and, that. And it was one of the cheaper but, ones?
1: Yeah, it was one of the cheaper ones because if you think about it, New York is super expensive. Yeah. and And a lot of the places where maybe the whole bullpen would have been like the – backup parts would have been cheaper the uh the closer himself would have been more expensive because he had worse backups exactly. so you know even a guy like Papelbon went for 19 Gross. we could have done Papelbon uh Kelly but we just we thought Osuna was a better pitcher than Papelbon completely
0: agree uh, Osuna Soren did you get Cecil as well or just the two
1: we did we got yeah, Cecil see I like too, that
0: trio so way better
1: I feel like we have no matter who's gonna get saves for Toronto we've got them um, and then all three of those guys, I think, are going to have good rates and ratios. So that's a nice 180 innings, you know, with uh, with 35 saves or something. Yeah, so, I,
0: I really like that. Um, I'm, I'm kind of yeah. surprised it was a cheaper one, especially since it was kind of a, a, a method to go for whole oh, opens.
1: Oh yeah, I think went for like 27, 28. Gross. Uh, we, we got us because everyone was like, oh relievers. So uh, we got a Sooner for 22 and felt pretty good about it. And then, um, and then just our, our pitching staff, just to run through real quick, was uh, Iglesias is our ace, okay, um, and uh, Severino is our is our number. Oh, Wei and Chen is our number two.
0: Okay, so you balanced and out Sever- a nice solid veteran yeah, with the two youngsters.
1: Yeah, exactly, and Severino is our third one. So those are the pitchers I feel good about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then uh, things got hairy. So because we'd spent so much money on our offense. And um, uh, you know, bought that Toronto Bullpen for about thirty bucks. What we had left uh, was money for let's see here, Nate Iavaldi, Cody Anderson, uh, Jimmy Nelson and um, Wade Miley. Those
0: are some good gambles. Obviously and I like Iavaldi. We, we, we know that, know that's the Cody of Anderson people. hype. I'm kinda of buying that.
1: I'm willing really, you know, Cody what I what I said is that Wade Miley's a half a pitcher for us. So we have three and a half pitchers in Iglesias, Severino, uh, Chen, and Miley, because we can just play Miley at home.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think
1: we're going to be happy with that. And Miley isn't a lotto ticket, he's more of a... And then the I think of Jimmy Nelson, Nate Evaldi, and Cody Anderson as lotto tickets. We're going to have to be careful about how much we play them early on, but we'll also know pretty quickly if they're good lotto tickets. If Cody Anderson has a lot of whiffs in his first game, then you've got an actual lotto ticket there that's worth something. And if
0: the other two stifle lefties, if Evaldi,
1: they're going to be good. Yeah. And if you throws that splitter 40% of the time again, then I'll feel good about him as a, as a guy. And for Jimmy Nelson, you know, he had a good spring and you know, the second year of having that curve in his arsenal, you like what you said, what is he going to do against lefties? Uh, Is he getting them out? Or is he walking them? Is he giving up home runs to them? Uh, That, that won't settle down in three starts, but we'll at least see how much he trusts the curve against lefties and, just generally, how what his approach is against lefties. So, exactly. you know, after a couple of games, I'll feel better about. And then I think worst case for Nelson is we, we, we hold him in a platoon with Miley, where Nelson we start away from home basically, and uh, Miley we start at home, that sort of deal. So, you know, it, it's a it's an interesting thing. We don't really have a second closer. We bought uh, Sean Kelly because he's the guy behind Papelbon. We bought Dan Hudson because he's the guy behind Ziegler. We bought Michael Gibbons just because we love Michael Gibbons.
0: Yeah, he's a stud uh-huh. back there. Obviously, it's O'Day second, right. and maybe even Brock third. But but Gibbons is one of those cheap guys who's going to yeah, give you great buy, ratios and a buttload of K's.
1: We bought Kniebel because with Will Smith being injured, uh, I mean Kniebel's injured himself. But if Will, Will Smith is injured longer term, absolutely. And uh, if Jeffress falters, which you know that's totally possible. He's had, he has pretty bad command, so. We just bought into a, a couple of situations that we thought were volatile. Uh, hopefully, we get one closer out of that. If we get through the year with t- the Toronto closer plus another closer, that's how we win. A couple of our pitching lotto tickets hit, and we find just enough OBP on the on the uh, on the batting side. So.
0: Well, based. Based on the fact that you said a lot of folks were going for relievers and it's a 20-team league, I've got no doubts that this guy is owned, but this is perfect transition uh, for what is the biggest news from today, and that's that Luke Gregerson was named the closer in Houston. Beats out Ken Giles. I don't know if anyone really had that. Um, it looked like Giles was going to be the guy. We were speculating based on what they traded to get Giles, and just the fact that he's a better, more power uh, power closer type, Obviously, that's a big surprise. Did the same team in that league get both Gregerson and Giles, or, or are they split?
1: Oh, I, I've closed it down now. I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna put it in the rear view. But, uh, well, let's, I, let's, it was
0: the let's talk about this specifically we then.
1: People, Yeah, we saw people handcuffing in that league, so I, I, would, I would guess that they got handcuffed. But, um, you know, uh, it, but, yeah, I think that uh, Giles owners should hold on to what they've got, you know, because what I've said in the past is that strikeout rate, and velocity are the easiest things to hold on to, and handedness. So, you know, is he right-handed? Does he throw ninety-five plus, and does he strike everybody out? Yes. Well, then you should own that guy, especially if he's behind a guy who doesn't do those things. Now, Gregerson strikes out some guys, but he doesn't, you know, have a he doesn't have the same strikeout rate that Giles would have when Giles if Giles is on. Exactly. So, if, if Giles has got you know like a fifteen K nine and his big old fastball, and Gregerson's humming along at. You know, eight strikeouts for nine, letting balls into play, and sometimes hanging those sliders. You know, I talked to people in the front office in San Diego back when he was there, and they almost never believed in him as a closer. He never Just got a
0: chance. They
1: there were he never really got a chance ample and-
0: chances to let Gregerson close in Cincy, or excuse me, in San Diego, and he never seemed to get the gig. He was the the bridesmaid. So many years, I you know I get him for a dollar, and NL only you know by the time he got established, it was like five dollars, and it ended up never getting any saves, just a handful each year.
1: And and I think of him just like Sergio Romo in that, um you know they, their strikeout rates weren't ever you know the, the same that you would see out of other closers. Their velocity was never the same you'd see out of other closers, and they threw you know fifty percent sliders. So I think that Romo didn't get a lot of chances. He did finally get a big. You know, chance or two and did fairly well but in order like if you compare that to how long he was good i think i think romo and gregerson were very similar in that they were good for a really long time before they finally got a chance whereas a guy like giles was good for like a year and he got a chance so um you know i i think that gregerson will lose the the job again and it's just i it's not necessarily a fault of his i just think that when you throw 50 percent sliders you know, apparently, and I've talked to people who study this from a number standpoint, and I noticed this just from looking at pitch effects plots. Apparently, the slider is the hardest thing to command, because if you look at if you look at plots for movement on sliders, it's the biggest, like in terms of the spread of movement. Is yeah, the biggest. some you'll
0: snap off really, really big. Yeah. Others will be tight. Some will be yeah. low, hang some. I mean, yeah, that makes sense when you think about. Sliders in general, just how how varied they are, and that's you know that's why sometimes they're classified as cutters on Brooks because uh, you you you'll see a guy who has a cutter and a slider, and you're like he never said he throws a cutter, and it's because sliders are tough; they're 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 really tough to kind of be consistent with.
1: And what's what's great about Gregerson and Romo that separates them and allows them to throw 50% sliders is that they actually probably have plus command for that pitch, Mm -hmm. like. If you listen to Gregerson talk about what he does against lefties, he throws a big curveball that looks more like a slider. I mean, it looks uh, a, big, a big slider that looks more like a curveball. He throws a back foot, big vertical one, and then when he's you know sometimes he'll throw a cutter like one on their hands, and then you know against righties he throws the two plane one. So you know he has, you know I, I wrote a piece or like something about his seven sliders, and it was one of my first interviews in the in the in the uh, in the clubhouse. And I believe that he can do all that, but I just think the numbers say that in terms of, like, hang, you, you don't hang a fastball. You know what I mean? Like, if you if you misplace a fastball, it's still a fastball. You
0: could still get but a whiff, you, especially when it's 95, 97 like Giles, or 100 at times.
1: Right, exactly. And if, But if you hang a slider, you know, it's not—it's 85, right mm-hmm. and then it, it doesn't get that break then all of a sudden it's not a fastball it's not a change up it's not a slider it's just a eat me pitch it's just so, it's
0: basically a bp fastball it's just sitting there on yeah. that tee. it's not going to drop and it can get crushed now it's not guaranteed to get crushed you're still talking round bat round ball but your point holds the margin for error that somebody like giles has is much larger than that of gregerson and that's why you do have to hold giles in this situation now i've noticed that gregerson's not that widely available Um, He was up at, I think, I want to say like 65% in Yahoo Leagues. I think they're closer to 12 teams that they cater towards. And ESPN, he's only on 20%. They're more of a 10-team league. So in your shallower leagues, yes. But the deeper you get, the chances are that he's already owned because there was uncertainty. Even those that believed in Giles knew that there was some uncertainty with it because of all the talk and the fact that they wouldn't name a guy. So what kind of percentage of your fab – would you put on Gregerson if you needed some saves maybe you only got one closer in your 10 team uh, let's say ESPN since he's widely available there 20% uh, owned so 80% available what kind of what kind of fab are you putting if you're if you're worried that he's going to lose the job still
1: i can't i, I wouldn't be able to go over 20% I, i'd want it to be like 11 11% or something you know like one it could be one of your 10 best moves of the year because you know there's a chance he could close all year, but you know I'd want to leave myself nine other big moves. You know I wouldn't want to uh, make this one of those. And 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 you know if it's a shallower league, I'd pro- I'd probably prefer to put like you know six percent on him because I just feel like he's more likely to lose it than the other way around. You know it's like if if it was the other way around, Gregerson was losing the job and Giles was getting it, I would be you know you know push it 20 exactly. percent maybe especially. You know, in deeper leagues. Hell, where I'd say you're 30% not, at yeah.
0: that point. If it was a reverse yeah. situation, I'd say at least 30%. I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be going hard for Giles. By the way, I overstated it. He's only 13% on Gregerson in ESPN leagues. So he's going to be widely available in those. Those are 10 team leagues, though. You might already have three quarters. And he's
1: still available like that despite the announcement. So I would really, if you're doing FAB, keep it in your pants. I'd say, <laughs> you know, six to 11 bucks max, you know, 11% max. Yeah, don't and, freak uh, out. Yeah,
0: This is unlikely to be a full-year situation. Obviously, we'll continue to monitor it. If you did sneak Giles for a couple bucks in your auction, good for you. You're going to get some saves to start, but we'll see. Let's move out to Oakland. Felix DuBront was kind of a surprise winner of the fifth starter's role, and I think it was more because of Hans' struggles, Jesse Hans' struggles, than anything DuBront really did. Well, now he's already going to the DL. So that fifth starter job is back open in Oakland. Do you think that Han comes all the way, comes back immediately before really ever pitching for Sacramento? Or is it a situation where they still want to get him reps down there and they turn to somebody else? And if you, if you think it's somebody else, who do you think it might be?
1: I think it's Jesse Han. I, I don't know why they made that choice other than I guess he did not. Oh, Sonny Grace scratched. Oh, no. Why? Poisoning. Food poisoning? Oh, no guess so.
0: Hasn't this happened before to him?
1: Yeah. I, feel like I swear like
0: seen. he's had a food poison. Does he just get lit? No, I don't want to start throwing that around. That's rude. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Anyway. Oh, and Rich Hill's pitching, which is so bad because I wanted to talk to Rich Hill.
0: So Rich Hill got moved up to tonight?
1: Yeah. Oh, like that good. totally
0: botches. Oh, my God. I wrote a huge section <laughs> for my ESPN Daily Notes, my, my, my debut there with them. I wrote a huge section on how Hill – Is is somebody you should go against and like stack against him because uh, the hitter (laughs) ratings for the White Sox, uh, based on the metrics that our sheet had, they were they were low. It said it said stay away from the White Sox. I was like, no, buck the trend, go against him because he walked everybody in spring, and I don't know that he's actually going to be all that great right out of the gate. And now that's all. Moot. I wonder if they'll make me change it. Anyway. Um,
1: well, no, I, I did some research for Rich Hill because I was going to try and talk to him today, which I uh, now I have to.
0: Damn, you got to wait till next uh, later
1: this week. Shoot. He was going to be my guy today. All right. Well, uh, maybe Rodon will have some time for me. Anyway, um, I think that Rich Hill actually is, is is relevant to our discussion right now because Jesse Hahn, I would just he's younger. He's got three pitches um, he, even with the ditching of the slider he's got, I believe in his change, you know, he's throwing the sinker more. So, you know, those things are good. He actually had a velocity boost this spring. And so what I want to talk to him about is, you know, Chris Bassett did this too, where, uh, you know, is it a struggle to find your command again when you, when you have a new sort of velocity level? You know what That's I mean? That's
0: interesting. Yeah. If you're, if you're pumping three, four extra miles per hour, is it a new pitch almost?
1: Yeah. And, and, it, and it's, it, you have to think about it differently. I mean, Trevor Bauer said this to me too, about the difficulty of command. He said that, you know, when I, in spring training, I had great command. I didn't walk anybody this year. And then by the time August rolled around, you know, I was having all sorts of trouble. And I said, well, can't you just like look at a video or, you know, line yourself up, uh, do video in the same place, you know, over time and watch yourself like have it all calibrated and do all that. And he's like, that's a lot easier in the off season in any way you know, when I, when I get to August, I get an extra mile an hour. By the time, you know, everyone gets an, a mile an hour of gas over the over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that mile an hour means that your ball is traveling, you know, not as far. So you, you sort of extrapolate the idea of where the pitch is going based on, you know, your normal velocity. And any change from that velocity changes how much it's going to move because it has less time to move. So you have to... Recalibrate where you aim, basically. So I, I think that was a little bit of Hans' trouble. I mean, he he had velocity numbers this spring that he's never had before. He sat over ninety four. Oh wow! Which he's never
0: done before. Yeah, he usually so, watched low nineties from the right side.
1: Right. So all of a sudden, you know, sitting ninety four uh, and coming back from injury, you know, they could monitor his innings. I mean, I guess the best case scenario for them was. You know some some you know low inning starts at the early season, so that if they're good at the end of the season, they can have Han in the major leagues at the end of the season uh, because he is a guy you have to manage your innings. He's not a guy who's who's managed to put together a full season yet. So I think that's what was going on with Han. But if 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 Rich Hill falls apart and Dubron is hurt, then Han is the guy that's going to stick around. You know, even when Dubron if Duran comes back and it's not TJ or whatever, it sounds pretty bad if it's if it's forearm stuff, but. uh if DuBrant comes back, I have a feeling that it's going to be Rich Hill that he's sort of battling, especially since they're both left handers. And it's easier, I think, to use a veteran left hander like DuBrant or Hill out of the bullpen. Absolutely. And it's easy to sort of match them up and say, okay, loser is our lugie, right? So yeah, because um,
0: they, they've only got, um, well, they got Doolittle, obviously, a closer. But then in terms of getting to the ninth, they've only got Zipchinski. And you'd like to have right. maybe a second lefty there in case you face someone big in the, the sixth through eighth because, you know, they're going to save Doolittle.
1: That's pretty interesting, too. If you pair a lefty long man with a guy like Han, they built their lineups, you know, to, to face Han. And then uh, if Han, you need to manage his innings again, you piggyback him, that sort of deal. Uh, then all of a sudden it's, you know, DuBron coming in or Hill coming in. Then, you know, the, the other team's lineup has to change up and down. Great
0: call. Bit. Great call for sure.
1: Out, you know, does does stuff to their bench, you know. So I think uh, I think it's I would in my mind. I I know that in their mind Hill and, and Han were on the same days, uh, so or uh, Dubrant and Han were on the same day. So that was their decision in their mind. But in my mind, I think uh, Han is a little bit more of a sure thing. And I'm you know I'm willing to give him a pass for the spring where he you know struck out nine against seven walks or something. I, I'm willing to do that because the velocity was good. And because he's healthy, so uh, that, those two things make me happy about Han.
0: So keep an eye there. We haven't we haven't gotten official word as to who will replace him, but it looks like it could just be Han. Just bring him right back up before before anything even happened there. Uh, before we get to yesterday's games, because we had three games, kind of want to get your takeaways. See if there's maybe one thing that jumped out from each game for you. We've only got one game going on right now because weather is wreaking havoc on this opening day. Boston and Cleveland postponed. Houston at New York postponed. Minnesota at Baltimore in a rain delay. We do have San Francisco and Milwaukee playing, only because they have a roof, though. It's it's (laughs) snowing in Milwaukee. Um, Madison Bumgarner kind of laboring his way through four innings so far. He's given up five hits, three runs, five walks, and that's what really jumps out. And he hasn't walked more than four batters in a in a, in a game since 2013. Um, in 2013, he had two five walk games. In 2012, he had one. So this isn't this is a kind of a new thing, or at least a return of something that we hadn't seen for now two full years from Bumgarner. He really amped his walk rate in 14 and 15. By amped, I guess I should say cut it because he moved it way down below two. He was at 1.8, 1.6 per nine the last two years for Bumgarner. So this is not something that he struggled with. I'm particularly concerned because of the foot neuroma that we learned of in the in spring training mixed with the fact that he talked openly about his mechanics being off. Now, he never said it was because of the foot, but I'm kind of putting two and two together here, and it really seems like it would be given what a neuroma can do. Uh, you know, from people that I've heard that have had one, what they, there was a call at Sirius XM when I was listening with uh, Pisa Pia and uh, Joe Pisapia and Howard Bender. This guy described it, and it was a nightmare. Another guy chimed in on Twitter this afternoon, said it felt like he was walking on a shard of glass. Now, we don't know the severity of bum garners, but if it's anything like the ones that, that I'm aware of, and he's putting it on his, on his foot every time he pitches, of course that's going to affect his mechanics. I don't know. I, I, I'm reluctant to freak out too much over four innings of the very first game. But I was already getting a bad vibe on Bumgarner, and this certainly uh, fans the flames there. Where, where do you stand on a five-walk performance through four innings so far for Mad Bum?
1: Well, the good news, uh, in a way, is that he also had flu-like symptoms yesterday. Yes, so I
0: wonder if that's just a cover-up.
1: There's something going through the Giants' uh, clubhouse a little bit because oh, okay. Posey, Posey was uh, down, too. So maybe he was just sort of generally under the weather. He, he claimed that he was good enough to go. I mean, obviously he went, so... Um, That might be good news in a way. That might have been, you know, part of why he was off today. Um, Two, uh, I think of him as a very um, intuitive guy that, you know, does fiddle with things on the mound while he's pitching. A little bit like Sonny Gray, actually, in that he's, you know – you know, fiddling around with his grips while he's on the mound. He's, he's, you know, trying to figure stuff out while he's on the mound. I think today he looked like he was really trying to figure his mechanics out. So, uh, that I would put under the realm of normalcy, you know, that's, uh, not so weird for, for him. The third thing though is yes, I am a little worried and I agree with you about, about the fact that neuromas can be really painful, but also, it's super important. The landing foot is super, super exactly. important. I was
0: going to mention that it is his left foot. It's it, his landing foot.
1: The the research done at Dryline Baseball they use force plates like they use in in golf and stuff to to just judge the force that you're putting into the ground on your feet. And uh, there's a. Um, uh, there's a there's, there's this idea that drop and drive is the way to go and that you really use your back foot to to propel your momentum and that's where a lot of your velocity comes from. Well, apparently at driveline they found that the back foot force the back foot force into the force plate was irrelevant almost. It was like, you know, had zero correlation of velocity or or command or outcomes spin rate or anything. So the that and I think that makes sense because you're not actually launching your body off of the mound. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to you're trying to get your hand going as fast as possible and your hand, your, your back foot doesn't necessarily um, push that hand. You know, your back foot basically pushes your body forward and it just needs to go that one step, basically. Right. If you think about your delivery, you you go from your back foot to one step out in terms of what your body does in the delivery right Absolutely. so you don't have to push that hard off the back foot to go one step so you know i think that's mostly what's happening there and then what they found was more correlated to velocity was trunk rotation so obliques are really a big deal that's a little bad news for discophani
0: and doesn't and also, you know, Bumgarner, not only with the foot, but had a, had a rib issue as well, uh, rib cage. So, you know, kind of in that oblique area, if that could be affecting him with his trunk as well, that's just another thing going on in addition to the flu and then the aroma that could have led to well, today's five walks.
1: Right. It, it says tightness in his rib cage. That's definitely a thing. Uh, and that's, so those are two bad things for, for a, a pitcher. And then what I was just to finish the foot thing, that what they did find was force into the force plate on the front foot was very highly correlated with velocity. And I think what's happening there is you're basically, and you, if you watch Bumgarner pitch, he does it a lot. I mean, you can really see it. And sometimes people call it pitching across your body. But what I prefer to say is, like, think of a pole vaulter. What you're doing is you're sticking that front foot down and you're vaulting your whole body around it, you know? Yes, and that's it a
0: good a analogy, pitch. by the way.
1: It becomes like a pivot point where you put, you stick that thing down and then everything comes around the side of it. And that's where your velocity comes from is that your body turning around, a little bit of your spine pushing forward because you actually move forward and release out in front and then your arm whipping around. So that's that's more of your velocity rather than the back foot. So he's landing on something that hurts every time and it's really important um, that he lands on that correctly. So I, I just wanted to look at some uh, velocity readings here for him Baumgarner Bumgarner for today yeah uh, in the 3rd inning uh he was 89 90 which is a little bit down for him what he, uh, he normally
0: I, sit at what's Bumgarner normally sitting at
1: you start you usually see 92s and 93s okay, so yeah, I don't see a single 92 and 93 out of him today so yeah, his velocity was down. So I mean, it, could, I, it just
0: could be a combination, and and uh, so I, I I thought the flu thing was a little, a little more BS, and you put you shed some light on that that it was affecting them, and then I I saw that Buster Posey had had uh, had a situation there, so that's definitely part of it. Uh, I'll, I'll give them that because I kind of poked dude, fun at. Dude, he was
1: sitting 80, 89 today. I mean, he had some 91s, but when he reached back to get 91, that's a that's not a normal, Bumgarner. No. No, it's
0: it's definitely not. So so yeah, Bumgarner was averaging 92 last year, as you kind of alluded to. We we fact checked that. That's exactly where he's at. We didn't see a single 92 yet today. He is going to come back out for the fifth. He did just bad after a Matt Duffy two run homer. So we'll see if he can if he can pump it up there. But he's definitely having a, a, a day of struggle. The struggle is real today. Is it flu? Is it foot? Is it rib cage? Is it just is it just a slow start? That's why you can't make a move off of this for Bumgarner, but you should certainly have your ears perked up and be paying attention to what's going on with him. You think that's the right advice, you know, or would you actually make a move?
1: No, I. Uh, you just uh, you can't sell low. No. I mean, at least you least if if he has a good start, but is still sitting 89 because velocity becomes you know normal very quickly. So if he's still if he's still sitting 89 90. But he has a really good start, you know, in the next start or something. Then, then I would I would consider trying to sell him based on the good start rather than, um, you know, jumping off board. Yeah, exactly. After five
0: walks. Okay, cool. Well, uh, and I'll also quickly mention we're not even going to talk about him, but just Matt Duffy hit a bomb. I, I said that. He's two for three, four ribbies. I got him for a dollar in my head-to-head auction. No big deal, guys. No big deal. I'm just going to dominate that league, and it's all right. Let's talk about yesterday's games because we got three of them, and I kind of like the, the the triple header on, on Sunday. I'm, I'm cool with it. I was doing an NL auction. I know you were in the midst of that. Of that uh, I almost said 20-hour. It was 20 teams, seven hours. Your wife really would have killed you if it was 20 hours. But uh, <laughs> you got it done in, in, uh, under that, thankfully. Um, so I don't know how much of the games you got to watch yesterday, but you got to scan the boxes. Maybe you had it on. Maybe you watch Quick Pitch to kind of catch up. Um, let's just start with that St. Louis at Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh wins 4-1 to over the cards. Wainwright was, was okay. Uh, Liriano was very Liriano-esque, and this is such a Liriano start. Six scoreless, three hits, 10 Ks, five walks. When the stuff's so filthy that, uh, you know, sometimes I think it's almost like maybe we should give guys like like Larry, a little bit more of a break because we say, oh, you know, his command sucks because he walks so many guys. Maybe his stuff is just so damn filthy that uh, it's tough to command. And maybe there should be a little bit more leniency there instead of saying it's a negative against him. Maybe the positive, maybe you spin it on a positive way and say, man, your stuff is so good that I'm not sure anybody could necessarily command it. But did you have a, a takeaway or two from that game? Uh, well, again, whether you got to watch it or if you just scouted the box?
1: Yeah, I watched some of that game. There, actually, for me, it was a little bit more about the relievers. I was interested in seeing what was happening with the, with the bullpens. And, uh, you know, Natalie Feliz came out in the eighth inning of a three, I think it was at the time it was a three-nothing ball game. I
0: swear to God, if they rebuild him, I swear to God, Searage to the Hall of Fame immediately.
1: Well, you know what's weird is that the, the curveball didn't look very good, and you know somebody made contact with it to the outfield, but it was uh, it was it was a lazy fly ball. So I'm not ready to say from that that uh, that he's all the way back. But it wasn't Archimedes Caminero, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know don't know what's up with that. They didn't bring him out in a in a tie game. They brought in Watson in the seventh, which I thought, okay, well here's an opportunity. Caminero is going to be the setup guy. Mark Melanson struggled and Melanson is one of my picks for the lead, most likely to lose his job this year same because he's 89 without any strikeouts and he doesn't he doesn't have that romo-esque slider or anything but he had so 51
0: I, saves last year man come on 51
1: yeah saves. Yeah, ERA, yeah
0: yeah check out his ERA and his 51 saves dog
1: yeah. listen I got ripped up on espn for writing that he would lose his job i
0: mean we went we went through this last year uh, he struggled early, and it really looked like he was going to lose it. They've got candidates, though, and they're a contending team. I don't think they can afford to go through the same thing they went through last April. So if the Velo's down, he's not, you know, getting K's. Now he did get a K here, so he, you know he has one strikeout, one inning for Melanson. But the two hits, the run—I don't know. I'm, I'm still nervous about it. It makes Tony he didn't look good. One. What's he that? Didn't
1: good. He didn't look good. He looked no. nervous. And, Twenty-five you know, pitches. Yeah, it was—it was—it was not a good outing. Uh, Sung Wan Ho, uh, on the other hand, actually was hitting 93. So uh, that's not a velocity. I thought he was going to come in 89 90. That's
0: exactly what I thought he was.
1: So, two Ks you know, as
0: well. Two Ks. If he's and hit
1: 92 93. You know, people had a real hard time. He was throwing the slider inside the lefties. So he was back footing sliders to them, and they were swinging right over the top of those things. So he's got. Uh, you know the quote-unquote balls of steel a little bit. <laughs> he's the final go, boss, man. Yeah, he's the final boss. He throw those oh stone Buddha too. Yeah, if he throw, he's the stone Buddha. He'll throw the, the 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 slider inside the lefties and and uh, and live to talk about it. out so, the
0: best nicknames in the world, man.
1: Final God, boss, I love that. The good good collection of nicknames. Also, uh, it's also just good to know who the eighth inning guy is for all the teams. Absolutely. Trevor Rosenthal could get hurt.
0: And and he's had his struggles too, where, you know, if you'd put him atop your list or near the top of your list of guys who could lose their gig, I don't know that I could necessarily fault you. Uh, I've been a Rosenthal guy, but he certainly, it was, it was creaky at times last year, even, or I guess guess that was two years ago. Yeah. You know, he was, he was better last year. I'm looking now at the numbers uh, when he had, when he walked 5.4, that was 2014. So he, he got a little bit better last year, maybe not as shaky, but you know, if the walk if the walk troubles return all of a sudden you got O you got Seth Manis um, Jordan Walden went healthy so you got some guys who could who could really make some noise and push Rosenthal so I agree with you in the early early days here something to really watch is how the bullpen kind of comes out. And that Camonero thing, I didn't. it didn't hit me at the time, but that's a good point. Uh, it could be a real big bummer too because is a nice guy to have in like an NL only, especially if your league counts holds. And I'm only speaking about myself because that's all I care about is myself. And I got him in a holds <laughs> auction yesterday for a few bucks. So I'm hoping that they yeah. uh, that they change that.
1: Who knows? Maybe there was some usage thing going on or some matchup. Maybe it's saw some of that curveballs, but... Um... Uh, or maybe maybe the Cardinals do well against velocity because Caminero still has more velocity than Feliz, which you know it's normally you think is better. Yeah, he's more of a better fit. But the other thing that you can look for early on, especially with deep leaguers, is is what what's happening with platoons, like who's who's playing against what type of handedness. And the most interesting thing was Matt Holliday started the game at first base against a left-hander. Yes, he did. And it looked like it, it meant, that meant that he basically Tommy Pham. And Matt Adams would be in a basic platoon there.
0: Well, and they, they ended up, you know, it, it was a situation. Pham was batting second, playing left field, and you know he was gonna he was gonna play that game, but then he got hurt right away. I want to say it was an oblique for him as well. Obliques are the the injury of the day, I guess. So Adams had to come in and, and predictably went 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. But he wasn't supposed to face Lariano, not, so I you know not
1: good against lefties. But it, you know without Fam, they don't really have a good platoon partner because Moss is also lefty and correct. not that good against lefties. So there's not an obvious thing unless they start. Uh, the the other option would be to to start looking at Piscotty at first base, which Piscotty was a third baseman in college, and I think he can do it. It's just a little much to ask of him right now, and um, you know it's kind of like Chris Owings playing short playing center, center field, field in, in in Arizona. It's like well he he has one game under his belt yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, so if, if Scotty, you know, we, and we talked about this last year. If Biscotti starts taking ground balls at first base, that's meaningful. So that's something to watch for now because they, whatever their plan was before, it can't be the same. Tommy Fam is hurt. He's on the DL and they're going to face lefties again. So that's an opportunity of some sort. If, it's a pretty small opportunity, but what
0: if they just petition be... the league to not play lefties until he's healthy? You think that would go through? <laughs> we just, know. we just need a reprieve from lefties for 15 days. <laughs> and then we'll face them all when you come back. No, obviously you can't do that. Let's move over to Tampa Bay. Five to three, Blue Jays over the Rays. Uh, in division. Another in-division battle here. Stroman versus Archer. Wish I could have seen more of this one. This was basically when we were driving home from Houston. Um, went with my buddies to that auction, so we had to listen to some of it. Sounded pretty, pretty much like the two guys – didn't didn't quite fulfill the hype of the matchup because Archer only went five, but he did get 12 Ks and Stroman was dealing. It sounded like eight innings, uh, six hits, three runs, one walk, five strikeouts, gave up a bomb, got knocked around a little bit late. I, I want to say two of those runs came in the ninth inning. Um, and I think even Osuna gave up the hit that scored the, the the last of those three runs against Stroman, but that's still a really strong outing. Uh, Tulowitzki hit a bomb. Corey Dickerson hit a bomb. What'd you take away from this ball game?
1: I watched a lot of this one and Stroman's movement is ridiculous but it's all side to side. He he's lost a lot of the vertical drop, I think on 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 his pitches and there's a little bit of uh sort of homogeneity of side-to-sideness where it is it is crazy looking and it is a lot of movement but it's all based on grounders more than strikeouts. Okay. So he got 17 ground balls against four fly balls. So he really he was living at the knees, you know, getting ground balls, old like kind of an almost an old school approach where it's not so much about the strikeouts. I think it's going to be good. It's going to be fine. It's it's good, especially in that ballpark. It's good for his ERA and his whip. I just don't think he'll be an ace at the end of the season. We'll have to see if, you know, his, his rates get him there. But based on his strikeout rate, I doubt he'll, I, you know, th- at this rate, I doubt he'll have, you know, more than 150 strikeouts. So
0: well, I I think and I hope most people planned for that because that was kind of the thing coming in that uh you know, even Stroman backers of which I consider myself one, that's what we were saying was, listen, this guy can be really good can give you some really sexy ratios if that bullpen and offense support him the way they can. You could even get, you know, a gaudy win total, which at least for that given year really helps the, the dollar value earned. You can't necessarily bank on it uh, going forward. But, you know, he could get a 17 win season and and that would really kind of stabilize his value because the strikeouts aren't going to be there. I just don't know that we're going to see a huge strikeout jump from Stroman, but that's okay because he got through eight innings on 98 pitches and that efficiency, if you trade off the, the innings for the, for the strikeout rate, maybe he gets, you know, this year won't be the ideal year for that. Cause I don't, I'm not sure that he's going to get like a 200, 220 inning kind of season, but going forward even if the big strikeouts don't come for Stroman, he almost looks like a Sunny Gray type who can get you to the 170Ks by sheer volume of innings, and then you're less worried about the K rate unless you play in an innings cap league.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Although, to me, most of my leagues are innings cap leagues in some way or another. But, okay. Um,
0: but Which, but so no, then I you know, got to be mindful of that. It
1: might be overstated. I think you're right. It might be overstated. I mean, if he, if he gets 150Ks, and has a three ERA with a you know one point one WHIP, then I think he's probably gonna be an ace. Just because a lot of the people that we think of as aces right now will get hurt, and he'll be a sort of back end ace. But um, you know he won't he won't he won't be like a fantasy Cy Young winner. Like he won't be a two
0: hundred forty K. Yeah, that, you know, that's just
1: kershaw monster barring
0: a change he won't even be archer who who popped 252 k's last year barring a major change struck
1: out 12 and 5 last he's so
0: filthy he's so freaking filthy i love chris archer that those two are two of my favorite emerging arms so i had tough time trying to back either of them i got them on so many different teams i was just like please not a huge high scoring game i'll take i got i got the pair in one league i took them back to back and i'll take 13 innings five runs with uh, 17 strikeouts that definitely works
1: the uh, I guess from the lineup standpoint, the thing that was most interesting is that Colabello started a, started the game against Chris Archer.
0: Oh, that's right. That's righty on righty. Yeah, they could smoke they could have put in smoke in, but he didn't. Point,
1: but he didn't even get in that bat. So,
0: wow, that that's that is interesting because Colabello did look like a platoon option. He had that massive Babbit last year, but I I don't know if, I I. I think even with the BABIP coming down, you know, scrap the 321 average. You're not going to get that. But if you get a 275 average... And double digit bombs and the runs and RBI totals are going to be higher for him than a normal platoon guy or potential platoon mm-hmm. guy because of that amazing lineup he's in. So I don't know. I kind of like Colabello coming into this year. Got a few shares of him in deeper leagues. Maybe a good DFS play as well. I would still probably lean toward him against lefties as opposed to uh, these, these righty starts that he gets. But if he gets this more volume against righties and can hold his own, he was really good against them last year. Uh, but that's where the big BABIP really came from. It was a 428 Plus- against righties for Colabello and that ain't happening again.
1: You know, the the news is mixed. He, you know, had a golden sombrero or whatever, struck out three times. I and thought
0: four uh, for the gold. Is it, maybe it's like a silver uh, sombrero.
1: Whatever. He, he didn't do well in terms of results, but the fact that he was on the field against the righty to start the game is interesting. Uh, Michael Saunders bat seventh uh, and Kevin Pilar first, so that's somewhat meaningful. Two knocks for
0: Pilar. two knocks. Uh,
1: Logan Morrison looks like the uh, first baseman. I mean, we, knew, we knew that a little bit, but you know it might be helpful. That he's the first baseman, and not the DH. Maybe Dickerson stays healthy if he's more of a DH. And so and, um, uh,
0: he hit that bomb. Dickerson hit his bomb as the DH yesterday.
1: Yeah. So you know, I think uh, those are those are really the takeaways there. <clears am <clears I throat> boring throat> you? I
0: am mean, the most boring person
1: no, ever. I was told child-
0: on on Twitter. No, I'm te- I'm teasing you. I'm I know
1: my my child is still. I'm gonna murder him.
0: <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, instead, let's talk Mets KC. The oh uh,
1: no, I think I'd rather murder somebody <laughs> than talk. So, about
0: sorry, him. that that's right. That's not that's not <laughs> nice. I, sh- I shouldn't do that to you. Uh, talk about your your beloved Mets. They had to lose a tough one, four to three. Interesting game. We didn't see any retribution for the LCD's Escobar thing. Maybe they're saving it for when Syndergaard starts. Uh, the longest freaking intro ever of the of the World Series thing with the banner and all that. I'm sure that you were loving that. Uh, our colleague at Rotographs helps with the bullpen report and covers first baseman. Paul Costava was dying. I'm uh, in mean, that NL auction with him. We were watching that intro. He's like, come on, how much longer is this thing? So that's how they're sticking it back to those Mets fans Is uh, is, is with two... Celebrations. There's going to be another one at the next game. I don't know what that is. Maybe they're giving them the rings. I I really don't know. But close game. And it was an exciting game. I thought Harvey. Uh, I thought Harvey pitched better than his line score. Uh, Volquez was all right too. Soria really had the big trouble there in terms of when you're looking at bullpens here, he gave up all three of the Mets runs. Um, Hochevar came in, stopped the bleeding there. Wade Davis was his excellent self. We didn't get to really see a chance of how the Mets bullpens going to play out. Cause they were losing. They went Cologne Blevins after that, uh, pretty standard stuff when you, when you're in a losing situation, if they'd gotten a lead, I'm sure we would have seen like Reed and familiar or whatever the case may be. What'd you take away from the final game of the night?
1: Harvey's command isn't that great, you know, and I think uh, just his natural command isn't that great, and I think that sometimes that finds its way to the forward in terms of hits more than walks even. I mean, he only walked two people, but he wasn't putting it exactly where he wanted to put it, and uh, they're a great team for contact, so, you know, maybe you don't uh, judge Harvey by two strikeouts in five innings too harshly. Yeah, that's, but, um, that's a
0: tough part. Whenever a stud faces, even when studs face KC, they just usually don't have that strikeout, the, the big strikeout rate.
1: Yeah, so on the Mets side, uh, you know, it was just disconcerting to see when assessment is totally botch a play in the outfield <laughs> and do it in such nonchalant manner that you just like, you know, you know that today everybody on W Fan, you yes. know, in New York is just. Yelling about that contract. Uh, it, 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 same contract that, like, you know, not two months ago they were yelling at the Mets to. to
0: they to better sign it. it or else.
1: Yeah, so. Um, you know, Mark
0: DeRosa on ESPN or excuse me on MLB suggested <laughs> that the glove looked like it was fresh out of the wrap or You know, like he couldn't squeeze it or something. So maybe it was a brand new glove. Obviously, there's no excuse, and and DeRosa was not making an excuse for him. He was right, just right. pointing out that like what what's going on there? Is it a glove you couldn't close or something? It did look like you know one of those nonchalant ones that probably used to get uh, get Kano a lot of heat in in uh, yeah. on the same radio station because he was always kind of given the the heat for. Why aren't you hustling more? Because everything kind of came easy to him. But yeah, that, that was a tough, one. tough night for Sussmith. Didn't he make the last strikeout as well?
1: Yeah, it wasn't. A, it was. A, he battled a little bit back from you know 0-2 or something to make it full, I think. But yeah, it wasn't the best night for him. And um, you know, I I don't know what else to take away. I mean, it seems like Walker and Asdrul Cabrera are going to be, you know playing most days, so really? I think uh, Wilmer Flores, if he gets any playing time, is going to be mostly in relief of David Wright, who looked not so great on defense and couldn't catch up to the high heat, and um, we may, we, he may not be very valuable this year. I thought, you know, I wondered if he'd be worth a dollar, and I've got him on my, on my keeper league, and I'm thinking he might be my next dropper. I just... Uh, maybe I'm overreacting, but I don't think that he's going to play every day. He's do
0: not going to play a lot.
1: If he played every day, I think that his ceiling right now would be like 18 homers type power because he didn't really have a lot more power beyond that before, even when he was healthy. And then you're just going to start seeing him miss games. And they, they may not be games that you can be well prepared for. So he's kind of the guy that you may have to be on World every day. Exactly. You know, and, and or or like play. following on Twitter, like getting – in in um, on Twitter, just getting into people's faces about uh, you know the, the beat writers about if he's going to play today. I'm you know making lots of friends with with uh, local beat writers. Right
0: playing today? Is right playing today? You just get yes. an auto tweet <laughs> at around two p.m. to the the Mets guys.
1: Mark Carig. Yeah,
0: you're up Carig's butt Ray every day playing. asking him. He's like, dude. You ask me again. I swear. to Yeah. Um, I think there was a stat uh, again, mentioning Paul Costava, who uh, is a, is a diehard Mets fan. The right play that he missed on, on the, uh, on the Infante bit, uh, the, the ended up being a single, I think Mark Simon and Paul had retweeted it. Something that said that it was 84% uh, of the time that play based on the, on the stat cast of it isn't out. And, and yeah. right. Didn't make the play. So shaky defense, not looking good against the heat. Ugh, it could be tough, and I understand that the name value makes it tough for people to want to cut somebody like that, but like you said, he might actually be an early cut for you if you if you went ahead and took the gamble on David Wright, and that's unfortunate. <laughs> I did like what Michael Conforto did. He got to play DH because it's in KC, so Lagares could still play center. He went two for two with two walks. No surprise that he's ripping up righties. We, we always know that he can do that. I just hope he gets more PT against lefties. Not too much to add. We did cover him very recently, so I'm not even needing a huge comment from you. I just love Michael Conforto.
1: Yeah, and it was such it was he takes such great at bats, man. I mean, he's just really solid. He's not going to swing at your pitch. He's not, you know, he's he's really got a good idea of what's going on at the plate. I uh, and I, I I like that he played DH actually because that means that gives him a few more games a year. So I I think maybe he can get it up to. You know, 500 plate appearances or so. But I think to get him, you know, into full-time pants, you gotta, there's gotta be some injury somewhere. And that, you know, we talk about how that's possible with Granderson being older and um, Cespedes, you know, doesn't always have perfect health. So I
0: didn't sign off on a Granderson injury at all. Just so we know. Just I that it that.
1: might happen. No,
0: oh, I know I'm teasing, <laughs> but I want that out in the world, Curtis, in case you're listening. I didn't sign off on that at all. I don't want you to get hurt. I want you to play 164 games this year. You need to figure out a way to get a couple extras. Um, You know, that's going to wrap us up because I got to eat some lunch before the rest of these games really get going. And um, Jason and I are going to be back on the horn tonight since we couldn't do last night because he was also in an auction. So all three of us had an auction since that happened, you're gonna get two back to back instead of Sunday, Monday. It's gonna be Monday, Tuesday. So we're gonna record later. We'll be talking you and I will be we back Wednesday. Is that is that a go? Are we fully on the regular season schedule?
1: Yeah, we should do that.
0: Absolutely. So look forward to Wednesday. We're gonna be trying to get them out earlier as the regular season goes. There's still gonna be some some issues with uh, scheduling from time to time. So please don't crush us on the schedule. But you're gonna get your three podcasts a week. That's for dang sure. We can guarantee that. It's opening day we're back I'm geeked. I'll talk to you in a couple days. You know.
1: Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we're we're just now starting. It's going to be an amazing season, I think. And uh, we hopefully we'll have some more guests like John Smoltz we did had in the past, and uh, just really give you the best we can do in terms of analysis uh, on the regular from the three of us. I, I I really thank you for listening through the off season with us. Yeah, and Very uh, appreciative
0: uh, of that. You guys kept us in the top twenty on the regular and it wasn't even baseball season we were competing with football with soccer pods with wrestling pods you know with general sports pods and it wasn't even baseball season so we really appreciate that
1: and now now i'm going to be going like i'm going to the clubhouse today i'll be going to the clubhouse there's all sorts of stuff that doesn't fit into the pieces i write that'll that'll be useful to you guys so i think we're gonna have a lot of fun this year and just Keep uh, hitting us up on Twitter or email if you if you got any questions for Sleeper us. Sleeperpod at
0: Gmail. Be a lot more mailbag in season when, with your questions. Right. Uh, yeah, so we'll get going. We'll talk in two days. You know, take care. Thanks for listening.